As was announced earlier, after the service today, we need to leave a little bit earlier. There's the funeral that's going to be here, uh, actually in this chapel, and uh, they want to be setting up. So after the service is over today, uh, you know, have a little shorter time of fellowship or take it out out in there. So if there's any (coughs) preparation here, it can be done. Someone did make notice uh, that I dressed differently today. that uh, is because Chris is in Texas and I dressed myself. So, uh, uh, someone, someone said I, I, I look like James Bond. I was dressed like James Bond. And I said, well, I'll have my communion shaken, not stirred. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I want to talk today, this ought to be a great lesson today, uh, very encouraging, hopefully thought-provoking uh, uh, for you on the idea of having a vision for your life. In Proverbs 29 and verse 18, are you guys there? I'm not, but uh, I'll get there. Proverbs 29 and verse 18, great passage of Scripture. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Now, in the King James Version, it says this a little bit better here. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. One of the great things that we learn in the Bible is the concept of having a vision for your life. Or, man, I would like to do this in my life. And we're going to talk a lot about that and study a lot about it today. But I want you to think about what is your vision? What do you want to accomplish with your life? What would you like to have? You know, if you ask people uh, in their life, you know, you go back to grade school, you know, you ask kids in grade school, what do you want to be? Well, I, I want to be the President of the United States, you know. Uh, or I want to, you know, be a pro football player. Or, you know, all, all those kind of things that little kids might come up with. But we get to our adult life and we still have this idea of, you know, I want my life to count. I, I want to do something with my life that is of value. A lot of times, if you might ask someone, what do you want out of your life? They might say, I want to be happy. Which might indicate that they're not right now. But they want to get that way. They want to be happy in their life. I want to be married. You know, if they're not married, I want to be married. Single people a lot of times want to be married. I want to have children. Of course, it's funny with many of these things, you know, sometimes we have a vision for these things in our life. We actually, you know, we do get married, and then uh, our marriage is hard, and we're like, man, why did I ever hope for that? Uh, what was I thinking? You know, we have children, and they wake you up at the all hours of the night, and you think, oh my gosh, this kid's driving me nuts. But, uh, you know, a vision for your life. Sometimes people say, I want to be rich. I want to have a lot of money. I want to have a house. A car. A certain kind of car. I want to have a boat. I want to have a place to park the boat. I want to be respected. You know, you ask Miss America, you know, what do you want? I want world peace. Sometimes in the church we even have vision. Well, I want to go on a mission team someday. I want to go to a foreign land, or I want to plant a church, or I want to be uh, in the full-time ministry. Sometimes college students, you know, 
Uh, you know, if you ask the college students, you know, almost everyone in the college ministry, oh, I want to be in the full-time ministry. Of course, you know that's not going to happen for many of them or most of them, but uh, that's a dream that people could have uh, in their life. Someone might say, well, I want to be, I want to grow up sometime. Uh, I want to have a family, have children. I want them to be, all become Christians, and I want to become an elder in the church or something like that. We have this sort of concept of vision and, and thought of what do I want to do uh, with my life? What do you want to do with your life? Think about that. What do you want to accomplish? Now, you may not get that. We're going to ask you to look at that too as we study the Scriptures. But if you could just imagine in your mind, okay, what is my vision? Now, the Bible says here that where there's no vision, people perish. You know, if you have nothing to live for, life gets pretty tedious and pretty boring pretty quick. There's no reason to go. There's no reason to come. There's no reason to, to be there. Other than just, well, I've got to make money because I've got bills. And Boy, that's, uh, that's great, isn't it? That's not life. That's just drudgery. That, that, that's just slugging it out day to day in life. But if you've got a dream, it's almost like you know your, your, your feet come a little bit off the ground. I've got something to live for here. I'm just not going to school. I'm preparing for something. I'm just not going to work. I'm getting ready to do something in my life. We need to have a kind of a vision of our life. In John 4, we have a passage here from the life of Jesus. Oh, no, I didn't start my, my timer until now. Uh-oh. Uh, who knows how long I may preach now. Uh, John 4, verse 34, look at what Jesus says. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. So Jesus says, I've got a vision. I've got a purpose. I've got a reason. I've got something I'm living for. Why are you doing what you're doing? That's a crucial question that you should ask yourself. Why am I doing this? Now, happiness at any particular time in our life can be overrated. You know, you know people say, well, I, you know, I, I want to be happy. Well, you know what? Sometimes even if you're doing something very important, at moments it isn't all that much fun. It, it, it's, it's a... It's a fantasy to think that I, I'm going to ever get to the point in my life where everything in my life is joyous and happy and there's no difficulty or pain involved. That, that's just, you know what that is? That's heaven. Okay? And, and yeah, it, it's a good goal to go to heaven. Amen. But life in and of itself has its moments along the way. But Jesus says, my food is to do God's will. I know I'm here. I know what I'm doing. Look a little further on in John, to John 17. Same kind of thought he says here. This is, of course, toward the end of his life. John 17, verse 1. It says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given Him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know You, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom You have sent. I have brought You glory on earth by completing the work You gave Me to do. So in Jesus' life, He has a very clear idea of why He's living His life. You know, that may be a good question for you to ask yourself right now. 
Do you have a clear understanding of what you're trying to do with your life? If you don't, it may be a root or a source of many of your frustrations. Because you haven't really determined, okay, why am I going through life? What am I trying to do with my life? If my life is just, it's beating you up. It's one thing after another that you're enduring and thinking, what's wrong uh, with my life? Well, maybe at the core is that you don't have a purpose in your life. Look over to Acts 20. The Apostle Paul, as he's writing here about his life and and talking to the uh, Ephesian elders, he says something uh, very, uh, very clear here about himself and how he looks at his life. Acts 20 and verse 22. He says, And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of His grace. This is someone that has a clear understanding of what they're trying to do. I know what I'm trying to do right here with my life. He says, I know it's going to be difficult, but I don't really care because I know what I want. And you know what? If a person in life knows what they want, if they've identified, I want this, they'll go through all kinds of difficulty and hardship and pain. Because they know clearly what they want. You know, the vast majority of people who, who, who flunk out of college, who leave college, do so in their freshman year. They get there. It isn't entirely what they thought. It's probably more difficult than they thought. Bang. Gone. I doubt seriously that anybody has ever graduated from college and hadn't thought about quitting at least once. Those of you who are college graduates, you think back to the time that you were in college. Did you ever consider quitting? I I can tell you I did. And most of the college students that I've worked with over 30-some years of being in the ministry, my experience is nearly everybody thinks about quitting at least once. But see, if you've got a clear idea in your mind of what you want to do with your life, it pushes you through. You have a vision. You have something you're trying to accomplish as you go about your life. I want to give you some principles here that will help you set a vision for your life. They're Bible verses. They're Bible vision. Uh, verses that will help us in this concept of having a vision for your life. Number one, say it out loud. Look over to Joshua 24. You want to have a vision for your life? Say it out loud. Joshua 24. Joshua here is speaking to the people. He knows that his life is, is basically sort of winding down. Uh, And he's concerned about what's going to happen as they go on. The people have had a hard time obeying the Word of God under his leadership. They've sort of gone back and forth. And and he's challenging them here at the end of his life. Let's pick it up in verse 14. Joshua 24, verse 14. You guys there? 
He says, now, of course, he's speaking to the people. He says, now, fear the Lord and serve Him with faithfulness. Throw away the gods your fathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites and the land of whom you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is a vision statement right here. This is a person saying, okay, I know where I'm living. I know what I'm trying to do. As for me and my house, as for me and my people, as for me and my children, as for me and people I can have an influence under, we are going to serve God. We're not going to serve the idols. We're not going to be involved in that kind of thing. I understand clearly where I'm going in life. And he says it out loud. You know, there's a difference between thinking something in your mind and actually coming out and saying it. Now, sometimes we, we, we have this, well, I don't know if I should just jump right into the pool here, you know? If it's your vision, if it's what you really have in mind to do in your life, Say it. Have the courage to come out and to tell somebody, hey, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to happen in my life. You know what causes us not to do that oftentimes? It's because we say, well, if I say it and it doesn't come true, I'll be disappointed. I'll be discouraged. I'll feel really bad that I I actually said it and then it didn't come true. But you know, the interesting thing in life is that sometimes you say, well, I, you know, I set my goal too high. Okay, well, if you set your goal too high and you fall short of it, you probably got further than you would have gotten had you set no goal at all. You know, if you shoot at nothing, you'll hit it with amazing accuracy. You have no goal. You have no reason. You have no purpose. Say it out loud. You say, well, what kind of thing are you saying about, Marty? Well, okay, I'm married. I intend to be married until I die or my spouse dies. Until death do us part. Say it. I want all my kids to grow up and to love the Lord. Say it. Tell them. I intend to be a faithful child of God until I die. I remember as a young, young, young minister, I'd been in ministry for any time, and I said in a sermon something to the effect of, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving the Lord. And this person came up to me and said, well, you can't say that because you don't know what you're going to do in the future. And I sort of Knocked me off my, my legs a little bit there. I thought, well, I don't know. I actually thought about that for a couple of days. Oh, well, I don't know. You know, can I actually say that or not? And I came back and I said, you know, I think you're wrong on that. I absolutely can say I'm not leaving the Lord. How, how, how weak do we want to be in life? How purposeless. 
Well, I, I, gee, I, I hope it works out. <laughs> you want to marry someone that, that has that, that attitude? I mean, it, it, isn't one of the things that we think about in, in the area of life, uh, of, of making a commitment, is that I made a commitment, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. Say it. See, Joshua here, he just comes out bold as for me and my family. Now, what are his kids thinking there? They're there too, you know. What are they thinking, Dad? Well, I guess Dad uh, has some, some high expectations here. Dad intends for us to be God's children. What do children think when their parents say and do things in front of them like that? Well, they look at their parents and say, I guess my dad believes something. I guess my mom really believes something. This is not just a passing fancy in their life. You've got to actually say it. Number two, you've got to be humble about your vision, guys. Because sometimes your vision is not God's vision. Look over to James chapter 4. Sometimes your vision is not God's vision and you've got to be humble. You know, just because it's your vision doesn't mean it's God's will. James 4, verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend uh, a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Be humble. I want to be President of the United States! Well, amen. That's a great goal. Uh, someone of your strong moral character? Man, you know, you'd be a fine president. Hey, wait a minute. You know, maybe that's not God's will! See, whenever we have a vision, we've got to sort of, we've got to take at least a half step back and say, well, I want to make sure this is God's will for my life. You know, we can't say, hey, I know it and I know, because I know it so strongly, it has to be God's will. (laughs) This must be God's will. Well, maybe it is. You know, and we're going to talk about that too, you know. Maybe you can change God's will. Pray to God. But you've got to be humble. You've got to say, okay, this is a vision I have for my life, but I am totally open to God directing me which way or, or another that, 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 that I should go. Okay? This is what I'm thinking, but I want to make sure at the end of the day that I'm doing what God wants me to do with my life. Okay? So you, you've got to leave that, that open door, and that's prayer. Look over to Psalm 143. Unbelievably good passage here. Psalm 143, about this idea of, of having a vision in your life and, and praying that God will lead you. Psalm 143, verse 7. It's all in the idea of being humble about your vision. Psalm 143, verse 7. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me. 
or I will uh, be like one who goes down into the pit. Let the morning bring me bring word of your unfailing love, for you for I put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. Show me the way I should go. Lord, make your will clear to me. It's what the psalmist here is praying. Rescue me from my enemies, O Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Okay, this is my vision. But God, lead me. I want to be open to what you want out of my life. Ultimately, what we want to do and what we want to be is where Jesus was, where He says, I know I've done God's will. That's where you need to be in life. Now, of course, you know, you're not going to probably have the, the absolute assurances that Jesus did because your relationship with God is not as close as this relationship with God was. But it ought to be a goal in our life that we can look back on any point in our life and say, to the best of my ability, I did God's will. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm trying to get a vision. I'm trying to understand. But I want to make sure that God is leading me to do His will. In this idea of being humble, I think we have to be uh, sobered by the fact that our sin sometimes messes up our vision. The wages of sin are death. Romans 6.23, right? Sometimes we have a vision. God, frankly, is open to, to, to our vision, but we've got sin in our life that we're not dealing with. And because of the sin in our life, the vision we have for our life doesn't come to fruition. It doesn't happen. And many times then when it doesn't happen, we say, God, what's wrong? Why didn't you come through? And the issue really when we get down to it is not that the vision was bad, not that God wasn't willing to go with it, is that you have things in your life you weren't dealing with, and because you weren't dealing with them, God says, we can't go there. Look over to Jeremiah 5. Now this passage right here, guys, is going to flat get your attention in this area. Jeremiah 5. Because I think a lot of us have vision for our life. We do have vision for what we'd like to do in our life and what we'd like to accomplish spiritually in our life or otherwise in our life. But we also have sin in our life that we're not dealing with. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 20. Boy, that does not look right. I know where it is on the page. Ah, Marty. Yes. You're good, John. Thanks. Yeah, come on down. Pick it up in verse uh, 20. And we'll read down there. Announce this to the house of Jacob and proclaim it to Judah. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see and ears that do not hear. Should you not fear me, declares the Lord? Should you not tremble in my presence? I made the sand a boundary for the sea, an everlasting barrier it cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they cannot prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. But these people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They have turned aside and gone astray. 
They do not say to themselves, let us fear the Lord our God, who gives autumn rains in season, who assures us of the regular weeks of harvest. Your wrongdoings have kept these away. Your sins have deprived you of good. Do you get that last statement? Your wrongdoings have kept these away. What? The blessings of God. The autumn rains and season that assure the regular weeks of harvest. Your sins have deprived us. We've got to be sobered and humbled sometimes. Sometimes we get angry with God. We say, God, I have served You. I have sacrificed for You. I have, I have been a Christian for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Why haven't You given me this? Why did someone else get it? Why does she have this? Why does he have that? What is wrong with me? What's wrong? What we're really saying is, what is wrong with you? Now, wait a minute. Maybe we better be humbled a little bit and be a little bit more realistic. That yes, we've had times of great commitment. Yes, we've had times of sacrifice in our life. Yes, we've done God's will many, many times in our life. But in addition to that, we've also had some fairly serious times of sin in our life that we weren't serious about, that we didn't deal with, that we weren't honest about. We got all kinds of junk in our life, sin in our life that we're not dealing with, and we and we we do sense that the blessing uh, of, of of God is not with us, and, and our our reaction is to say, God, what is wrong with you? Come on! And the reality is, the humble response is saying, Wait a minute, maybe the issue is that the vision was right, the blessing would have been there, but I'm not dealing with my life. So in this idea of having a vision, number one, say it. Number two, but be humble. Realize you're going to have to pray for God to lead you. It may, your vision may not be God's vision. You've got to be humble about that. And you really got to be humble when, when things just don't go your way and start blaming God. That's not a good place to go. Anytime you start blaming God, you're probably going down the wrong track. Probably not going to have a good... Uh, 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 ending there. Number three. These are principles of having a vision in your life. Number three. No guts, no glory. Philippians chapter 3. No guts, no glory, guys. Having a vision takes some courage. Philippians 3. Verse 10. I want to know Christ. That's what, that's what Paul's saying here. I want to know Christ. I want to have a deep, intimate relationship with Christ and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings and becoming like Him in His death and so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. That's a pretty cool vision. That's a pretty cool idea of, of, of what you want to do in your life. I want to know Christ. I want to have this great relationship with God. But look what he says in the next verse. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. No guts, no glory. You've got a vision. 
You spiritually want some things to happen in your life. You, you, you want to have uh, the, these things that, that we talked about. But you look at your life and you say, but I'm not there. You look at your life and you say, man, I am, I am weak. I am prone to mistakes. I sin. I mess up. I give up. I quit. You are looking at yourself the way Paul looked at himself. He says, this is my vision. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I want to somehow share in His uh, suffering so I can be like Jesus. But, I'm not there. He had to look at himself in the mirror and see his imperfection and the unfinished nature that he was in. You know, sometimes we look at ourselves in the, in the mirror spiritually and, and we look at ourselves and we say, man alive, what, what a mess I am. I'm not as committed as I need to. You say, well, what, is that? what are you talking about, Marty? Okay, well, let's, just, let's knock that down to real, real specifics here. Your personal relationship with God, you're not reading the Bible every day. You're not praying every day. You're not sharing your faith with people around you. You're not having dynamic, interreactive relationships with the Christians around you. Do I need to go any further? You look at yourself and you say, man, I'm not where I need to be spiritually. And, and what, what, what's your reaction? Oh, jeez. You know, your shoulders slump. You know, oh, God. The cool thing about a vision is it's almost always something that's pretty dynamic. You know, we don't say, here's the vision for my life. I want to be mediocre. Fired up. I'm going to grow to be mediocre one day. <laughs> really? That's your vision? No! We, I want to be awesome! In whatever definition of awesome you have. I want things to be great in my life. I want to be successful. But you look at yourself and you're like, man, why? I'm, I'm not anywhere near that right now. You've got to learn to deal with imperfection and unfinished you. You say, but, but look at her. She's so awesome. Here's the thing, guys. You've got to get down in life. You don't have to be her. You don't have to be him. The issue of life in your life and my life has really nothing to do with her and him. It has only to do with you. You need to only be the best you that you can be. We look at others and we say, but I'm not as good as he is. It's irrelevant. He may be more talented than you. He may be smarter than you. It isn't important what he's doing with what God gave him to give with. It's important what you are doing with what God gave you to do with. You understand what I'm saying? I am imperfect and unfinished. 
What I will be, I don't know. But I know I'm not there. I've got to be able to look at myself in the mirror and I've got to say, okay, I've been a Christian for X amount of years. I'm going along. I'm I'm doing what I can with my marriage, my children. But I know I'm not as good as I can be or I will be. But I'm I'm unfinished. I'm not there. But at least, okay, I I know where I'm at. I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to strain toward what's ahead. No guts, no glory. And here is this is right here, guys. This is where it gets down to. It gets make, made or broken right here. You're going to make it or break it right here. Because many people have a vision. They say, okay, I want this in my life. And they try and they try and they try and, and it doesn't happen and they, they get discouraged and they quit. Well, I guess I just can't do it. And that's where they are in life now. You're going to, the rest of their life... They're, they're sitting in their little pity pool of feeling sorry for themselves because they tried and they didn't do it. Well, I tried! Well, I tried hard! And what are you doing now? You quit. That's what you did. You sat down and felt sorry for yourself and quit. You started whining about why anybody else and everybody else around you had an easier time in life and an easier shake in life well, if I'd have been taller, I'd have made it. Well, if I'd have been smarter, I'd have made it. Well, if I'd have been a different race, I'd have made it. Well, you know what? Let's just, why don't we just reconstruct the whole you then? Let's go down to every little part of you from the size of your brain. You know, they say the older you get, your brain shrinks. Well, that's, for some of us, we're really in trouble, you know? <laughs> Holy cow. Man, if we're shrinking. You know, and not only shrinks, it doesn't work as efficiently. Whoa. Yeah, you ever tried to remember someone's name? <laughs> Happens all the time to me, I'm telling you. That's a scary thing. That's why in the church, though, we, we, we have the salvation of saying, Hey, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he never knew. Amen. <laughs> That's why you write them down, guys. No guts, no glory. You, you, you've got to be able to look at the imperfection and unfinished nature that you are in and say, okay, I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to strain toward what is ahead. Number four, you've got to have a proper motivation. If you're going to have a vision, you're going to see it accomplished, you've got to have a proper motivation. Look over to 1 Corinthians 10. You guys with me on this? Come on now. Don't, don't, don't lose me. Got to have a proper motivation. What are you motivated by? What's driving you along the way here? Okay, that, that's an important thing. First Corinthians ten thirty one. This is a whole uh, uh, discussion here about eating meat and, and all that. But there's a statement here that's very very crucial. Verse thirty one. First Corinthians ten thirty one. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all. For the glory of God. Okay, what is your motivation? I want to be rich! Why? Well, because when you got rich, you got things. Uh huh. Why? 
The why has to be answered in your life. Paul says here, ultimately, he's talking about eating meat or not eating meat, but he lays out an incredible overall an umbrella motivation. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Now, Jesus said, what good would it be if you gain the whole world and then lose and forfeit your very self, your very soul? There are a lot of people in the Bible, we're talking about rich here. There are a lot of people in the Bible that were rich. Fabulously rich. Abraham, David. We can go through a whole laundry list. Joseph. That had a lot of money. Now, of course, Jesus said it's hard for the rich to go to heaven. So if you want to be rich, if that, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, if, if that's one of your goals in life, you want to be rich, you better, you better watch out because it's going to be hard for you to go to heaven. Better be careful because you can have all this junk and lose your soul. Okay? What is your vision for your life? Now, wait a minute. Suppose someone says, okay, I want to make a sack of money because I know that God's people need it. I know that the poor need it. I know that missionaries need it. See, for a lot of us, maybe most of us in this room, maybe all of us in this room, I don't know. The bottom line is, probably we're never going to really, really be rich. But what is your vision for your life? Why do you want it? Well, I want to be married. Why? Well, I want to have children. Why? Well, I want to have a house. Why? Why well, would I have a bigger house than she has? Oh, now we're getting down to it. Now we're getting down to it. Now it's making sense. This is what you, this is a burr in your pants. This is what's motivating you. This is what's driving you. I want more than him. Sometimes we can get some real ignoble, worldly motivation going. About our vision. Ultimately, the vision, the proper motivation for the vision is whatever the vision is. It should be for the glory of God. If it's for the glory of you, it's going to fail. And it will never make you happy even if you get it. Go back to point three about sin. Yeah, you're going to have a vision and you're going to get it, but it ain't going to do anything for you. It'll just make you miserable. You've got to have a proper motivation. Okay, number five here. And, and, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. You, you undoubtedly probably have many different visions. If we look at the room today, a lot of visions for your life. What do you want for your life? Here are two things that should be uh, almost universal visions for all of us. Okay, doesn't make any difference if you're a girl, a guy. Doesn't make any difference if you're in your 40s, or in your 20s. Doesn't make any difference. We got people down here in our teens. I mean, we got the, some teenagers on the front row here. Amen. Doesn't make any difference if you're teens or if you're an old codger like I am at 55. Uh, but th- these things should be universal vision for all of us. Number one, you ready for this? This is all under five. Vision for all. High moral character. 
You should desire. You should have a vision. You should have a purpose in your life. I want to be a person of character. I want people to know me as a person of character. When I come to their house, they don't have to put their wallet away for, 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 for fear that I'm going to take some $5 out of it or something like that. You're a person that's trustworthy. You're a person that's faithful. You're a person that's true. Uh, uh, in, in, in good times, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a friend, uh, whether you're making birdies or bogeys, man. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you're a person of high moral character. You understand? That means you don't sin. That means you don't mess up. That means you don't have moments where you're not as good as you are at your better moments. We all have our better moments and our, our not better moments. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All of us do. I, I, you know, pe- people, uh, sometimes uh, a person like myself in the ministry, they think, oh, you're in the ministry. You must always be on your game. You know, well, just check with my wife on that and ask if I'm always on my game. She can fill you in, man. I got, I got good days and bad days just like anybody or everybody else does. If you understand what I'm saying. Nobody's always on the top of their spiritual game. No one's always awesome. We say that in the church sometimes. Oh, bro, you're awesome. Well, really, he's awesome 20% of the time, but, you know, 80% of the time, he's, he's, he's well, he's well off awesome 80% of the time. But 20% of the time, amen. 20, let's talk about the 20 then, you know? Uh, let, let, let's go for that, if you understand what I'm saying. High moral character. That should, that should be a universal hope and vision of all of our lives. I want to be a person that would be described by people who know me as a person of high moral character. And secondly, that I want to live a life that will impact others around me positively. Every single one of us should have that as a vision for my life. I want to have a positive impact on people. That doesn't mean that it's going to happen all the time. doesn't mean that every single person that comes along is going to like you. Remember, Jesus said, Blessed are you when people hate you because they hated me. If we're going to be children of God, there's going to be times when people don't like us. If we're going to be people of high moral standards and character, they're going to be people that are going to deride you and make fun of you for having a, a high moral character. But in a general sense of your life and a vision for your life, I want to have an impact on people. I want to help people become Christians. I want to seek and save the lost. I want to go make disciples. I want people to become Christians that as they tell their story, somewhere in their story of becoming a Christian, my name comes up. You say, oh no, that's a bad motivation. I'm not talking about the motivation being that. I'm saying when they share their story, your name should come up because you were involved. You did share your faith with them. You did say the Bible with them. You did uh, help them become a Christian. That should be a great goal or vision for your life. I want to help Christians be better Christians. I want to have a talk with a brother at church that, that he, he gets up from that talk and says, bro, you really helped me. Now, you're not doing it so he'll get up and say, bro, you really helped me. That's bad motivation. You, you, you want to do it to the glory of God. But you do want to have that conversation. You want to be able to sit down with, you know, what's your name? Justin. I want to sit down with Justin and say, Justin, where are you at spiritually? What's going on? We've actually had those songs. He's a good friend of mine. (laughs) It's not so someone will say you did it, but it should be a motivation of yours to have the kind of life that has a good impact on people around you. 
if you understand what I'm saying. Now let me go through these principles here. So you, I know you're taking notes, but I want you to really capsulize this, guys. It's important. We need to have a vision for our life. Where there's no vision, what happens? People perish. You wither. You die if you don't have a vision for your life. What are the principles here? Number one, say it. If you have a vision for your life, say it. Even if it sounds stupid. You say, well, they're going to think I'm prideful. They might, but say it. <laughs> if you're prideful, they'll disciple you and we'll, you know, skip the, the, the fifth thing here. You know, uh, and, and They'll help you be a better Christian. Uh, if you know what I'm saying. Say it. Number two, be humble. Realize just because it's your vision doesn't mean it's God's vision. And you've got to pray for God to lead you. And you've got to realize, sometimes, man, you have good ideas, but you've got to get out of sin. You've got to quit sinning. God's never going to let that vision come true if you are living in sin. You're going to have to get serious about that. That all fits under number two. Be humble. Number three, no guts, no glory. Come on, guys. If it's a vision, it's going to have some difficulty. And you're going to have to realize along the way, you're not what you need to be. Number four, you've got to have proper motivation. Selfish motivation ain't going to cut it. Do all that you do to the glory of God. And number five, the vision for all of us, whatever your personal vision should be, number one, to have high moral character. Number two, to have an impact on people around us. Abraham Lincoln stood on the battlefield at Gettysburg after the most people on the continent of North America had died that ever did until 9-11. And he gave a speech that was remarkably short, but it gave a vision. It ended something to the effect of, we now need to have a new birth of freedom. That this country can be a country that it really was what we thought it should have been, our forefathers thought it should have been from the very beginning. Where all men are created equal. Of government of the people, by the people, for the people. It was a vision. Why is that little speech, hundreds of years later, so important in the lives of Americans? Because it gave a vision. Of what we can be, not necessarily what we are. John Kennedy gave a speech at his inaugural. And the famous words, we most of us see, we can even quote him today. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. It gave a vision. Oh, I can use my life. I can be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. Martin Luther King. I have a dream. A vision. And he did such a splendid job. Once again, in a comparatively very short message. Talk about, it's a vision. It's a dream. Where we can be what we should be as people and collectively as a nation. All three of these speeches were, were speeches that stirred people to action. In, in great ways. 
Where there's no vision, people perish. If you don't have a vision for your life, it will wither you and it will destroy you. We need to have a vision. You have to have a vision. In many ways, your vision has to be yours. We can sit down with someone and say, hey, can you help me come up with a vision? And that might be a profitable discussion that you might have with someone. But at the end of the day, their vision can't be your vision. They may give you some good ideas. But ultimately, your vision has to be your vision. Because it's your life. You're going to stand before God and God's going to ask you, what did you do with your life? The Bible is very clear. Judgment is individual. It's not collective. We're not going to stand before the, the judgment bar of God as the San Gabriel Valley ministry. What would y'all do? You know. Someone said, God's not from the South. You know. I mean, what y'all did. Marie thought God was from Georgia. <laughs> it's what did you do? What did you do with your life? What was your vision? Was your vision my vision? Did, did, did your vision or my vision ever interconnect? See, if we pray for God to lead us, we should believe that God's vision and our vision is going to come together. And see, then we can live with the kind of purpose and reason and confidence that Jesus was living, saying, listen, I, I've, I've lived my life. I've done your purpose. I know I've lived my life the way that you want me to live my life. Living life with a vision. I hope today this has stirred you to thought, to, to, to get an idea. Okay, what do I need to do? Where do I need to go? How do I need to live my life? And ultimately that will stir you to action. I know we have a lot of guests here today. Thank you so much for coming. We're proud that you're here. Uh, hopefully, you know, I do know we need to leave uh, somewhat earlier than normal maybe, but uh, let's hang around in fellowship and get to know each other a little bit and come back and see us again. Uh, it was great to be in the chapel today. Amen. Um, I, I like the fellowship hall better, but uh, whatever. Uh, Hopefully uh, our worship today was through a glory to God and an encouragement to you. You are dismissed.